Today, what I would like to do is to look at this text here in Isaiah 26, 8, and specifically one verse. Um, And as we do, I want to ask you a question. Is is there a passage or maybe is there a a verse that you have that is kind of like your your go-to verse? That go-to verse. That, That scripture that Maybe you go back to when it's a, it's a rough season or it's been a rough day. Um, it's that verse that you go back to when you need to be encouraged or exhorted. Or maybe that verse that is kind of like a compass for you that helps you kind of get back on track if maybe you've slipped a little or taken some wrong steps. Uh, for me this morning, there is a verse embedded in this chapter that is that verse for me. Uh, in fact, back in... 1998, some 19 years ago to this date, was the first time this verse was ever, uh, I guess, made aware to my heart and mind, um, sitting under some teaching at a conference for college students in Austin. Uh, this passage was taught on, and there's a verse within this passage, or ch- within this chapter that just struck me, um, and it stuck with me for nearly 19 years now, of one that I turn back to often. And try to remember often. It's uh, rarely a week that doesn't go by that I don't think of this verse here. And it's found in verse 8. And I want us to look at it this morning up on the screen because it's a di- little different translation, more closely to the NIV that I have up on the screen. And it simply reads this way Yes, Lord, walking in the way of your truth, we eagerly wait for you. Your name and your renown is the desire. Of our hearts, it's a beautiful verse. It's a it's a verse of passion. It's a it's a cry. It's a it's a prayer. It's a it's a song that is part of a song that is sung. And so this morning, I, I want us to look at this with a word of encouragement, uh, a word of challenge as we look forward to the days ahead of this new year that has now come. Um, as we look at this text, I do want to give some context, though, to this verse that I want to pull out this morning and look at. Um, as we look at this, we see that God, first and foremost, is a generational God. He is a God who is extending his faithfulness from one generation to the next. And he is looking in every generation for a people that are passionately going to stand for him and passionately follow him. And in this day, Isaiah was one that God called out, a faithful man that God used to tell of his grace and his love to a generation with words of warning, words of judgment that we even see in this chapter, but also words we would say of wooing, words that would draw people to follow God. And so Isaiah pronounced some hard words as you read even Isaiah chapter 1, words of condemnation to this 8th century group of Israelites in Judah, the southern kingdom, Israel, the northern kingdom. And they were a moral people, a people that lived sexually immoral lives at times, people who lived idolatrous lifestyles. And Isaiah was called to stake a stand, but not by himself. He wasn't alone. In fact, this song that we see sung here this morning is one of a remnant, a a people that have been set apart by God graciously to live for him and who have a heart for him. And so in in the midst of this tough time that I would say that uh, the Israelites faced with captivity, struggle, problems, obstacles, 
arised a people who sung a passionate prayer, a passionate cry of their heart and their heart for the Lord. And so my prayer this morning would simply be this, that we, with this specifically one verse we're going to look at this morning, would have a passionate cry, a passionate desire in our own heart as these people did, and that it would impact our 2017, that we would have a simple passion. And so as we look at this verse this morning, I I want us to, before we do, look at the first verse in this chapter. It says, in that day, this song will be sung in the land of Judah. This kind of gives us an idea of kind of the context here of what uh, this song is is about, uh, what the people are looking forward to, and how it impacts their present day. And so what day is verse 1 referring to? Isaiah seems to be looking forward uh, to a day when the Messiah will come, uh, when he will establish a rule here on earth and set up his, his kingdom. And so he seems to be looking forward to that day, kind of uh, pairing with maybe Revelation chapter 20. He seems to picture himself in this chapter right here along with these people passionately praising and praying God or praying to God from this new city, this new Jerusalem, which also we would maybe see in Revelation chapter 21 and 22. And so it's a future tense. It's looking ahead. The people are looking ahead. Well, what's interesting about this is we're some 600 some years before the coming of Christ as they write this. And so they're looking for the Messiah. They're looking for his coming reign that is coming. And aren't we as well? And we're on the other side of Christ that he has come. Obviously, we've celebrated that through the Advent season. But we look forward just as they did to his coming rule, his coming reign to be uh, consummated in the new heavens and the new earth. That's our destiny. That's what we're looking for. But until then, we wait. We wait. The kingdom of God is both present but also yet to come. That's why when we are told to pray by Jesus in Matthew 6, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's something we're praying for now, that God's kingdom would reign, reigns through his church and through his people here on earth presently, but also something we're looking forward to when he comes again. And so this is a song, a cry from a people that are looking forward. And as they're looking forward to what is one day going to be the song of a people who have trusted in the Messiah, who have trusted in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, uh, it greatly impacts their present. It greatly impacts their today. And I pray that this passage does the same for us as well, that we would seek to cry out like these people with this passionate cry. And so I want to use Isaiah 26 eight as, as our guide this morning. It will be our teaching guide. And so if we could get our points from there this morning, we'll see four points and then allow the rest of the text to speak as well. And so look again at Isaiah 26 eight. And I want us to simply see this It says, yes, Lord. Two simple words, yes, Lord. That's the first point this morning is in 2017, let's keep it simple. Keep it simple. What do I mean by that? That that we would simply give God our yes, our yes. It's what he desires. God doesn't obviously want us to say no, Lord. He doesn't even want us to say no. Maybe, Lord, he wants our yes. 
Many in Isaiah's day were turning away from God, saying, no, Lord, with idolatrous and moral lifestyles. But Isaiah, in this remnant, their desire was, yes, Lord. And there's a story, and I've shared it here before, one that I can't get away from every time I, I look at this text, of a, a pastor who stood in a church on a morning like this, and he got up to his pulpit, and he said two simple words. He said, yes, Lord. And he proceeded for some 25 minutes to say the two words in a 25-minute sermon. How would you like that? Eh? Some easy preparing, I would imagine. <laughs> yes, Lord. Simple, but very profound. And he said, yes, Lord. As he continued, he tricked it up a little bit and started swaying, gave some, I guess, a little jive to it. Yes, Lord, yes. And then the people joined in, singing. Imagine some tambourines kind of came out, um, some clapping. He sat at the piano, and he started playing. Yes, Lord, yes, and then he got up to the pulpit after about 25 minutes or so and he simply said this. He bowed his head and I love this. He says, Lord, you have heard our answer. Now tell us what you want us to do. Profound. Lord, you have heard our answer. Our answer, Lord, is yes. Even before we know what you want us to do. That's our hearts. That's our desire. And that's what God simply desires from us. As we begin this new year, may our answer simply be, yes, Lord. It doesn't mean it will be easy. It doesn't mean we won't maybe be afraid. But don't let that fear stop you. And the Bible tells us that God has given us a spirit of not timidity, but one of power, one of love, one of discipline is what 2 Timothy 1, 7 tells us. But he still wants us to say yes, even though it may be hard. It may seem risky. But whenever we say yes, that obviously is saying no to something else. And so yes, it may cost. It may be costly. But don't let those reasons build up to where we say no to God, may we give him our yes. Even if our schedule may not fit accordingly, maybe it doesn't fit to our level of comfort, God wants our yes. He hasn't called us to mere safety. He hasn't called us to mere comfortable lives, but he's called us to be brave followers of him. I think when Jesus said in Luke 9, 23, I think he gave us a good picture of what yes looks like for his disciples. He says, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself. He must take up his cross daily and follow me. You see, God wants our yes. That's what he desires. And so right now in your life, what are you saying yes to? And is there any areas of your life where you're saying to the Lord, no, Lord, no, Lord? Maybe your heart has grown cold. Maybe it's grown hard in some areas where that is the answer. It's no. And maybe this morning you would ask the Lord, Lord, may you change my heart and may it turn to a yes. And may I start walking obediently and faithfully according to your ways. And so where does this all begin? Our relationship with God obviously begins here. It begins by trusting in Christ, by giving Christ our yes, by committing our life to him. 
And you see the Israelites here in this context, they had a choice, commit their security to the nations, their lives to the security of nations around, surrounding them, or to God. That's why we see in Isaiah 26.3, the prophet along with the remnant, they said, the steadfast of mine you will keep in perfect peace because he trusts in you. God wants us to trust in him, to give us, to give him our yes. And he will give us the security of mind. He will give us peace unlike anything else. He's the one who rescues us from the wrath to come. That's who Jesus is. And he gives us that peace. So he wants us to give his yes by faith. Also, this yes is something that continues. It's this continual trusting. If you look at Isaiah 26, 4, he says, trust in the Lord forever. It's this ongoing perseverance. Eugene Peterson says this, it's a long obedience in the same direction. And that's what the Lord wants from us daily as we keep being faithful. He wants our yes. And so simple put, in 2017, what does the Lord desire for us? I think simply that we would say, yes, Lord. That our lives would be yes, Lord. And then look at the next part of the verse in Isaiah 26, 8. It says, walking in the way of your truth. What's the people speaking of? What are they singing about? They're talking about abiding in. They're talking about living according to the truth of God. Isaiah urged everyone to trust in the Lord as a way of life, not just merely a saving act of faith that we see throughout Scripture. James tells us in James chapter 2, verse 17, that faith, if it has no works, it is dead being by itself. And so this is the idea that you and I, as those who have said yes to the Lord, that we would live a life according to the way of God's truth. And so the desire, the prayer of God's people is this, Lord, we keep walking faithfully with you, even as your judgments unfold around us and even in our midst. As they do, Lord, as things get tough, as wars come, as cities fall, just as the Israelites were facing, as we're being taken captive, the Israelites face that. Lord, our prayer is in 26.7. O upright one, make the path of the righteous level. And what does that mean? doesn't mean our circumstances necessarily will change, but that we will be faithful. God, be our, our faithful help. Make our path altogether right. Because God, you are altogether right. You are altogether true. We want to live according to your righteousness, to your truth, even when things around us have gone awry. And so Lord, help us to stay faithful. So how do we do that, right? How do we walk according to the truth and to the ways of God? I think real simply, just a couple of thoughts. Keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus. That's what Hebrews 12, 2 tells us. It was our theme throughout Advent, that we would keep our eyes on Christ, that we would get our eyes off self, that we would get our eyes off what everybody else has and we don't, that we would get our eyes off of what someone else wants us to be, and may we be stayed upon God, upon Christ. Second, may we be in the Word. How do we walk according to the truth of God? First, we gotta be in the Word of God. John 17, 17, Jesus is praying to the Father, and he tells 
the Father to sanctify the disciples in the truth. Your word is truth. The word of God is the truth that God wants us to follow, to walk in. An interesting passage in Isaiah uh, 66. You might want to maybe turn over there or be up on the screen for you. But listen to what Isaiah says here. God speaks and says this. The Lord says, heaven is my throne, the earth is my footstool. Where then is a house you could build for me? You can't contain God. You can't box him in. Where is a place that I may rest? For my hand made all these things. Thus all these things came into being. That's what God says. God's saying, I'm the creator. I'm, I'm God of all. I'm majestic. I'm a big and mighty God. This is who God is. But listen to what he says. He says, to this one, I will look. And so here you have this beautiful picture of the grandeur, of the greatness, of the awesomeness of God. And then he says this, but to this one, I will look. To him who is humble, contrite of spirit, and who trembles at my word. Wow. God has, it seems right here, a different regard, a special regard for those who have humble hearts, contrite spirit, and who tremble at the word of God. What is trembling at the word of God? Trembling at the truth of God? What does it mean? A missionary by the name of Adonai Judson said this, and I want to give you this quick story. But as he served in Burma along with his wife, and they were sharing Christ with a convert who have recently come to Christ named Moon Now. And he had responded to the word of God. And listen to what he says in response to the Bible. A few days ago, they were reading together Christ's Sermon on the Mount. And Moon Now was deeply impressed and unusually solemn as we read. And he said this. He says, these words literally take hold of my liver. They make me tremble. Think about that. When have we ever read the word of God where it took hold of us so physically and deeply where we could say it took hold of my liver? And I think that's rather humorous to think of this morning. But he's sharing the depth of how the word of God impacted him to cause him to tremble. And it says in the word of God here, that's who God looks to. So that you and I, that we would, one, read the scriptures. As we read the scripture, that we would see the glory of God. We would see the authority of God, his power, his holiness. And that we would fear the author of these words. Have high respect and high regard for him as we read. That we would long to know him and not just a page. How often do we maybe get in those ruts? I know I do, where we will read maybe a devotional or a reading, and at the end of it, sometimes I will say, Lord, what did I just read? <laughs> I mean, if we're honest this morning, we've been there, right? But that we would read differently, that we would read attentively, that we would read in a way where we want to engage, we want to literally have ourselves grabbed by the word of God. Let me encourage you this new year to be in the word of God, to read the word. It's easy to get out of habits. It's easy to break them. And so I want to encourage you this new year to have a plan. If there's no plan, it won't happen, right? 
Don't make the plan too big, all right? But make a plan to read the Word of God. We provide daily devotionals online. Our elders for two years now have been writing daily. So blessed by that. And uh, you can go online and find devotionals. That's not to necessarily replace your daily reading, just to encourage you. Um, but would encourage you to find a plan. I know a lot of uh, online Bible resources that you can help navigate yourself through the year and uh, read through the Bible, whether it's for a year or maybe two years at a time. I want to encourage you uh, to be in the Word, that we would tremble at the Word, so that in return that we would walk according to the truth of God. And then look at the third point here this morning as we look at this verse. He says, we wait eagerly for you. This is the cry of the people. God, we wait eagerly for you. Isaiah and God's people, this remnant, they desired for the Messiah to come. They were looking forward to what we have already seen and experienced in Christ's coming. And they were longing for him to bring the new Jerusalem, this new city where he would rule and reign. And there is hope. There is expectation in their words, in their song as they wait. And so what about us this morning? What are we this morning full of expectation about? What are we waiting for? for. You see, what we are expecting or hoping for or waiting for impacts greatly how we live today. Have you ever thought about that? What we're waiting for, what we're hoping for, what we're expecting for greatly impacts how we live in the present. It's called kingdom consciousness. It's conscious of eternity. If our eyes and our mind and our thoughts and our hearts are not on the kingdom to come, we can easily get entangled in the things of this world. We can get trapped into living for this age and loving the pleasures and the wants of this world. The deceitfulness of wealth can easily come in and choke. The worry of this world can rule us if that's where our eyes and our hope is at. And so this morning, what are you waiting for? What are you expecting? Isaiah and God's remnant, they sought more of the Lord. They waited for the Lord. Even though circumstances around them were tough, they were hard, they weren't seeking to change their circumstances. In the midst of their circumstances, they waited, hopefully, for God to act. In fact, that's what waiting is about. You ever thought about that this morning? What, what does it mean to wait? We see it all over Scripture. Isaiah talks about waiting on the Lord many different places. But what does it mean to wait on the Lord? One uh, again, a turn to a passage, Isaiah 64. It tells us this about waiting. Isaiah 64, verse 1. Isaiah says, Oh, that you, God, would rend the heavens and come down, that the mountains might quake at your presence. As fire kindles the brushwood, as fire causes water to boil, to make your name known to your adversaries, that the nations may tremble at your presence. When you did awesome things which we did not expect, you came down. The mountains quaked at your presence. And so here is Isaiah speaking of the awesomeness of God again. That he has done more than they had expected. Yes, is judgment being spoke of? Yes. But he is speaking of the grandeur of the majesty and the presence of God. But listen to what he says in verse 4. For from days of old they have not heard or perceived by ear, nor has the eye seen a God besides you. 
Who acts in behalf of the one who waits for him? And so what does waiting look like? For you and I as children of God, waiting on God is something that is utterly unique. It's unique. I, I've, I've, I've noticed this, especially this past year, and I, I don't like to wait, man. Sometimes I'll be sitting at lights, and I, I've noticed as I get older, just sit there and I'm thinking, why, why am I getting frustrated that this thing's not turning, you know, to green sooner? Uh, I mean, just, just things, sometimes just waiting just nags me, it seems like, more often. Um, waiting is hard. Waiting is tough. We hate going to the doctor. We hate waiting, right? I, mean, I think there's some justification there, but we hate waiting, right? We hate waiting at times. But what is this speaking of? It, it, the, the work mentioned here, when it says that, that God acts or he works on behalf of the one who waits for him, this isn't mere just um, preservation, meaning that he, what he does for creation and giving common good, common grace. It, it, it's more than just meeting natural needs. It is literally that God invests all of his energy in every way for our eternal good, for those who wait for him. It's this sustaining, strengthening grace that has sustained us, yes, as we look back on the past, it has sustained us to this point, but it also is sustaining us for the future, and it strengthens us. And so it looks like this, that we're praying, we're pausing, we're waiting for the Lord to act. We're waiting on him. We, we submit to his counsel. We open up our life to the Lord, to what he wants. And when he responds, sometimes it means more waiting. <laughs> but when he responds and he tells us what he wants us to do in his answer, it's not as we move forward and we just kind of do it and we do it on our own. No, we continue to wait on him even in the doing. Because we know that it's by his strength. And we continue to trust in him and we're dependent on him the whole way. We rest in him. That's what it means to wait. That we continue to rest and trust in him. And sometimes the waiting room is where God grows us up. It's where he transforms us. It's where he changes us. It's where he sanctifies us and makes us more like him. But we are awaiting people. And it should impact how we live today and give us a kingdom conscience. Fourth and last, look at the last part of this verse. I love, it's my favorite part, but it kind of wraps up the whole desire of the heart. Listen to what it says. It says, God, your name, your renown is the desire of our soul. It's the desire of our heart. What does it mean that God's name, what does it mean that his renown is the desire of their heart? Well, think about God's name. What is God's name? It speaks of his character. It speaks of who he is. Uh, you think about his holiness, you think about his righteousness, his, that he is truth, that he is just, that he is a sovereign God. And that's who God is. And so when we think about that his name, who he is, is the desire of our heart. But not only that, his renown. In some translations, it uses the word uh, your memory. And so as we reflect back, as we think back on who God is, on what he has done, and so it's knowledge of God. It's knowledge of who he is. When you think about renown too, it's the idea that is something is being made known. 
And so if you put all this together, the idea is that these people, their heart is that the glory of God, who God is, his name would be made known. That it would be made known literally in every nook and cranny of the universe. From every place that they touch, that the renown of God would be made known. That's God's passion. That's God's heart. That's what God wants. God wants his name. He wants his renown to be spread. In fact, in Isaiah 42, 8, he says, I am the Lord, that is my name. I will not give my glory to another, nor my praise to graven images. That's why God created you and I. We exist for the glory of God, to spread a passion for the supremacy of God, for the sovereignty of God, for the truth of God, the justice of God, for the holiness of God. That is our mission, that we would display his glory. Paul put it like this. He says, in everything we do, whether we eat, whether we drink, may we do it all for the glory of God. It's not some mere performance that we put on, but instead it's a passion. It's an overflow of our heart that comes from a heart that has said yes to God. A heart that walks according to the truth of God, who waits eagerly for God to come. And as a result, they're passionate. They're passionate about the glory of God. On this day, there will be on our TV, many football games. January 1st, I remember growing up, that was always the, the bowl, you know, the bowl game day. Now it's the whole, you know, month of December, right? We were sitting on the couch yesterday watching uh, kind of the morning time, a, a bowl game that was on. I think it was the University of Louisville and... Um, Gosh, who, I don't even remember at this point. Who, who, somebody help me out? LSU. Yes, yeah, yeah, we, so we, we know. LSU. Uh, and I sit there thinking, and, and you think about you know, some 60,000 plus people in some of these games, even, even bigger than that, close to 100,000 some of these games. And, um, it's amazing. And some of us in here have gone to schools where uh, it's a big deal to cheer, cheer for your college. Um, you know, we get wrapped up, right, in it. And when you think about just these bowl games, these people, and, and all the, the excitement around their school, and they cheer for their school, um, you think of the passion they have. They'll paint, you know, paint their faces, put the shirt on, and they get excited, they get jazzed, they get all geared up. It's, it's a big deal, it's a big deal. And you think about the passion in the stadium for their teams. And you think about this city, you think about the remnant that we, we have here at the Ridge, the people of God. Think about the different churches spread throughout the city. What it would be, what it would be like to, to be passionate. Passionate like football fans, passionate like these college fans for their team, that we would have a passion a passion for the name of God, a passion for the glory of God in our community in 2017. And so what would that look like? I think as we look at this text this morning, it's not gathering in a stadium, not painting our faces, it's not putting a shirt on. 
I think as we look at this text this morning, a passionate people is a people that simply say, yes, Lord. There are people who simply walk according to the truth of God. They, they read their Bible, and, and as they see this, they say, okay, Lord, you're telling me to do this. Okay, so my answer is yes. I'm gonna trust and walk in the truth of God. And my eyes are fixed on a coming kingdom because I know that's my destiny. That's what's coming. That's my future. And so I have my eyes fixed on Christ. I think that's what passion looks like. That's what it looks like lived out on a daily basis. And oh, that we would be a remnant, just like these people here in our city, passionately living for the name and for the glory of God. May that be the desire of our heart. And I pray it may be so this new year.